Hi, I want to welcome you to Growing Nimble Families. My name's Melitza. I hope this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler, and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. If you're wondering about the change of name from Raising Playful Tots, you're still in the right place. It's now called Growing Nimble Families. And if you'd like to know more about that change and what's happened and all the things that have gone in the background, then pop on over to episode number 200 and then you will know all about it. I'm glad to be here today and we have a brand new show and episode talking all about project work. Project work comes into its own in the upper elementary and middle school, usually with extended projects that can last a whole term or even a semester. Sometimes there are short term weekly or a monthly project that children have to get involved in. Lower primary children can't leave them out, also have project work. Sometimes they do it by themselves because they just love something and they really want to investigate it for themselves. Something that they've read, something that they've watched, something that they're learning about. Whether you are a project manager or you work alone, we all understand there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to a successful project. We can probably think of some of our failures too that have helped us to be successful the next time. If we start doing some of these things now, it will pay off later. Today we're going to talk about how to work with your school-aged child on a project without taking over. Yesterday, two things happened in our house at the same time that helped me choose this topic um, for today's show. First, both my 11-year-old and my 14-year-old were working on homework. One was patiently going through a project that he'd started and gotten quite far on before rereading the rubric and he decided he needed to start again. He'd gotten quite far and now he had to start over with that crazy trial and error stuff that you have to do at the very beginning until you can decide your goal. That was the way his project was laid out. Now he was on a time crunch and he was also tired, so he had all these competing interests that were going on. My other son was on a project too and he knew exactly what he was going to do, but he was unable to find the information in the way in which he wanted it. So both of them were quite frustrated in their own way all at the beginning of starting a project. The second thing is, I knew how to answer both of the problems that they were having and I didn't leap in. I knew that the son who was repeating part of his project, what he should do or at least I knew where he could start. I could steer him in the right direction. He just hadn't asked for help yet but I so could see what he could do. I knew with my other son, who couldn't find the right information, that I think I knew where he could find that information. I had a good idea, and I'm sure if we talked about it, he would have clarity, because I could hear him mumbling and grumbling and complaining to his books, to the computer where he was looking, and I'm sure that he was misunderstanding 
between the text and what he was supposed to be doing. And if we just talked about it, I felt that I could move him forward from all the this yelling at the screen and the, the banging of the books. I knew what I could do and I decided not to leap in. I was holding back because really I also knew that this was the messy part of project work. When you get to a problem, you've got to decide what to do. Now, as a parent, I know what I would do if I was on my project. I know where I would go and, and how I would handle it. But the kids have to learn how to do this for themselves. And oh boy, was it difficult for me as a parent hearing them both and seeing them both and knowing that I had to kind of hold my tongue and wait just a little bit longer and see if they could do this by themselves. In one corner, there was much shouting and it ended up with something like, this is just stupid anyway, I don't want to do this. Pushing all the books onto the floor and one of them stalked off. In the other corner, there were a lot of sighs and head swaying and hands on the head and then both hands on the head in despair. Both of them were struggling hard with trying to find a solution. And yes, I was struggling too. As a side note, usually I'm home alone during the homework shuffle, but last night my husband was here too, so we could meet in the middle and huddle. Have you huddled before? This is a time when we reassure each other that we're doing the right thing because we're making a hard choice, or we're suggesting another viewpoint because we want to do something different and we're not sure about what's going on. So when one of them stalked off and the other one's still sitting with his hands in his, on his head and, you know, despair and in the other corner, we huddled and we decided to wait it out. I think that's what helped because he happened to be there that night for me to be able to wait it out. It was hard for both of us. He was sitting there and I was doing something. I felt that the son who had walked off needed to work it through and he would be back. I'd seen this before, so I felt with experience, I knew the outcome. I hoped this was right, but you just never know. And we waited. One child pushed through and one child pushed off. Both were in their process of learning how to manage their project work. One of the ways to help our children tackle project work is to look first to their personalities and how they work and not just rely on how we work. That was the struggle my husband and I were having when we had that huddle. It's we would have both tackled that situation very differently than what we were seeing. When you hit a hard thing when you're doing a project, what do you do? Chances are you'll have children that won't do it the way that you do it and you might have one child that does. For me, as a parent, it's an entirely big waste of time throwing books about because I have to pick them up again and I'm on a time crunch, I have other things I want to do. That won't work for me. But for some, the movement and the storming off gives enough chance 
to change the whole outlook, get them out of that funk, and they come back refreshed and ready. Picking up that books is kind of cathartic and it helps them get themselves together, which is exactly what my son did less than five minutes later. He walked back into the kitchen and, you know, my husband and I gave each other the sidelong look of, phew, thank goodness for that. During that same time, the other son was working on his project and he managed to have a breakthrough. He felt that he had got to the point now where he could go forward. He knew what he was going to do. He knew how it was going to work. And he came rushing over about the same time as the other one came in and explained his breakthrough. Because after having all that work he'd done before, he wanted to make sure, triple check, that this was the right path that he was going on after he'd got lost, as he said before. He didn't want to spend any more time doing stuff that wasn't what he needed to be doing and he wanted to press on. So here we had two very different personalities starting on projects. Both made good inroads. After those initial starts, they got going. But if I had intervened, would I have helped them how they needed helping for either of them? Helping them with the map. Well, sometime in elementary or primary school, children will come home with a project. When you look at it, you can tell at a glance how long you think it will take, whether you need to take it, take them to the library or what materials you might need to buy or find or borrow and how much time you as a parent will need to spend with them. Most children don't see any of that. They are full of the information that was talked about at school and have lots of ideas swimming around and some of them even have definite plans about how it's going to work out. They have all the end finished, all of it is figured out and we have all of the beginning parts figured out. They don't know how to get to their glorious end. We do. And this is the trouble with projects. We're all starting from different points when we should be alongside them, advocating and cheering these children on and not taking the baton from them and running for them. Hopefully school has taught them about drafting, researching, condensing, copying and pasting huge chunks of text, why we shouldn't do that, final copies, presentation, copyright, plagiarism, quality over quantity, etc. Depending on the age, they'll have started to touch on these things or they will have had lots of information about them and, and many more other things. But we can't be sure and each of us also have our own family standards and values, ways that we expect our children to behave, ways that we want them to um, show themselves to the world. Are they really ready for that journey a project takes you on? Which is never usually the most direct route. That's something that I don't think we talk about enough. How will they handle the challenges? Many children, I think, have this linear idea about a project. I have this idea, and this is how I'm going to execute it, this is how I'm going to do it, and this is how I'm going to get there. Maybe even we as adults have that initial thought. 
but I think we also realize that it's not always going to be plain sailing. It's going to, there's going to be tricky things that come up and, and we'll handle it. But I wonder if we share that well enough with our children for them to understand that there will be things that come up, problems that we have to deal with, go round, be nimble about, and then we continue. Because projects really are journeys. I think one way we can do that is it helps if, if we as parents have regular conversations about projects and the ups and downs that happen along the way. Children who regularly hear how you push through, went around, changed direction, are more likely to do the same when they hit upon problems because they realize this is just what we do in our family or this is just what we do. We probably do all of those things, but we probably don't bother to share it plainly with our kids. We just share the things, this is what great thing happened and this is the end and it was really good, but we don't share all the bits that, that kind of go along with that. So they mistakenly think that we do and it's done first time. That's what happens to mum and dad. That's what happens to the teachers. That's what happens to all adults. You just do and it's done first time. You just write a story and then you hand it to the publisher and they print it. You just take the car to the service people and they just fix it. They don't understand all the back and forth that goes along, all the problems that can occur, the decisions that have to be made, the changes. They just see the book that's finished and looks great and the car that comes back and that works. They don't see the detours and the frustrations and they should see some of those. We just have to make sure that the things that we're sharing are age appropriate. This way, when they reach problems, they'll know to expect them and know that they just have to deal with them. And sometimes that's moving around them. Sometimes that's ignoring them. Sometimes it means we have to completely change what we were doing. And this is part of the whole process. They need to know that. Otherwise, when they encounter problems, they'll give up and they'll despair. Some children have this resilience already within them and the ability to keep going and to try new directions, they just seem to not stop at all. We can also model this behavior in our homes by actually showing them and talking about them. We love to do this at the dinner table when we share some of the things that have happened during the day and how we eventually got to the end. Sometimes we talk about it as a journey. We might talk about a journey that we've done. I think most of us can relate. We plan to go to one place and then things happen along the way and we can talk about it. We can talk about the time we were trying to go um, to the appointment and there was a detour because of the accident or the, the roadworks that were on there and, and how difficult it was, but how we negotiated around it. You know, just talking very frankly about these are normal things that happen and how we can avoid just giving up and coming home. Sometimes we might have to do that, but most of the time we can find another way. Quite a few times during elementary and primary school, we should find time to carve out to show our children how to do a project so that they can start to do this by themselves and for us to learn how to work alongside them and not get trapped into doing too much. So it's, it helps us both. 
for us to learn how to work with them and for our children to learn how to do it for themselves because some children just won't be able to understand how a project will work and they will need some guidance to be able to do that and we can't always imagine that this will have come from school or from another place we have to think about how we can help them to do to learn how to do this the reason we want to do that is because eventually we want them to be more independent and confident to ask when they need help so we can be entirely hands off asking a few good questions here and there so by the time that they're in middle school and secondary school we can just know that they understand the whole process of project work and that if they need help they'll know where to go they'll know who to ask and they'll know how to manage of course we will probably still ask questions here and there to check and um, to be informed about what's going on but we want them to be able to run with it for themselves and be able to do that so the school age time is is great for them to learn how to do this process whether slowly or in chunks at a time now i know it's hard to help with a project without beginning to just take over isn't it quicker when we just do it for ourselves i've seen projects handed in that is more parent than child it's totally obvious we just can't seem to be able to help ourselves and it's not good for our children we're telling them that their work is not good enough and we should be supporting them with their work and allowing them to do what needs to be done. One of the ways that we can do this, help and support, is by using questions. Using questions that really make the children think about the things that we've already thought about so that they can start thinking about them for themselves. My son was so excited about this project. He could see it in Technicolor, what it would look like. And this big picture in his mind was slowing him down, finding the right information. And that was his disconnect. After he came back, he asked for help. I was able to ask him lots of questions. Now, if he didn't ask for help, I would have said something like, you seemed a little frustrated with that work. What's going on? Knowing my son was a lot calmer now, he would be more likely to respond than before during his frustration. If I had said while he was muttering to himself, hey, what's going on? You seem a bit frustrated. I probably wouldn't have got the response that I was expecting and we probably would have got into an argument about the way he was talking because he was just frustrated. I, you can't short circuit that, that feeling. He had to get to a point where he had to ask for help. I knew his personality and so now I know that he goes to a certain point and then this is how I deal with it. My aim at this point is to move him slowly step by step back to the beginning because he's jumped way ahead to that ending this way, he can slowly navigate himself back changing the route how he would like it to get to that destination. We've talked about these questions while I've washed the dishes. I've done it one-on-one -on, -one on the table sitting next to him. 
and we've done it in the car driving home when he's been excited about the new projects and he's wanted to talk about it. There's many ways that you can get these questions in. Of course, there's going to be lots of supplementary questions that you probably will ask after you've asked these types of questions, depending on the answers that you get. And one thing to know, although I'm saying them really quickly, it's not rapid fire. If you just pump all of these questions out at once to your child, they will be overburdened and weary and sad, and you probably zap all of the enthusiasm out of them for the poor project that they were excited about. And it's even worse if they're not excited about the project and then you ask them all of these questions all at once, um, that just makes it even worse. They're like, ah, what's even the point if I have to think of all of these extra things? There's a lot of adjustment that you need to do while you're talking through these questions. You need to be wary of, of judging their mood, you know, um, how are they feeling right now? Sometimes they can be in a silly kind of mood. And if you're trying to ask pertinent questions and they're being silly, that's probably not going to go too well. We have to consider their energy levels. If they've just come out of school, if they're anything like my children, they are so hungry that they probably can't think of much else. So asking these questions might not get the answers that you wish to have. Um, if they've just eaten, it might be a good time because they, they're full and feeling good about themselves or not. You know your children. And it also depends on the type of assignment. Some assignments are just small potatoes. You can make mistakes and, and they're great to just try different things on. It's good for the kids to just try out the, the ideas that they have and let the teacher do the, the marking and, and see what the results are and you can, you can carry on from there. Some of these assignments are longer assignments or they're worth marks or scores and their children need to understand the value of that too. So you need to um, decide how much input and the type of questions that you're going to do to go with that because we're not going to do all of these questions for every single project that comes in. And I would say that you don't do all of these questions anyway. These are just example questions that I hope that give an idea of the way that we can support our children with the projects that they're doing. The most important thing that we're doing when we're asking these questions is helping them to think of the answers that will inform their project. So once we've asked, we listen hard, really active listening, to see the answers that they're given and giving and also we're watching their body language you know are they rolling their eyes at all of the things that they have to do so you can tell that they're a bit overwhelmed are they beginning to think about things that they're going to do are they are they starting to ask questions are you advocating and working together or are you starting to sense a pulling away and a frustration that's developing so we're listening actively and we're also watching the body language as we're asking the questions. So here are some of the questions that I would consider using if I'm supporting on project work. So what do you have to produce at the end of it all? Do you need to use the computer, a poster board? Do you have to make a cartoon? What do you need to make at the very end? What, what will you be producing? 
How long did you say that you had? So that's five days and you have that birthday party on Friday. Are we going out on Sunday afternoon? Does, I can't remember, is that what was on the calendar? Do you remember? Are we going, we're going out for the whole of Sunday afternoon, I think, as well. How long do you think it will take you to find this information? Okay, which part sounds exciting to you that you just can't wait to do? And which part are you not looking forward to? What's your plan for when you're going to do it? What are some good options to try if you run into a problem? Tell me about your final copy and how you're going to finish strong. So you'll probably have started to think of your own questions based on the questions that I've written I've written there. I wouldn't say them quite the way that I've said them. I've tried to make them clear, but you would change those according to your children and, and you know their age and, and what they're, they're into for the wording that you would use. But you probably could guess some of the things that I was getting at with the questions that I was asking, the hints that I was making about time management. I had some expectations and values there when I talked about a final copy. So I'm kind of suggesting that there's going to be some drafting going on if I'm saying final copy. And uh, we're talking about enthusiasm. So I wanted to know what they were really excited for because sometimes our excited thing when we're doing a project, we spend far too much time on the really exciting part of our project and we can run out of time. And so I want to know what they're really enthusiastic about and, and excited about. I also want to know what they're not looking forward to because that's probably where they need the most help and support. So if that might be resources, then I can try and make sure that I, I have those to hand or ideas that I can help with or I can encourage um, when they need encouragement. So it's just good information. So we, we've learned a little bit about time management I'm trying to get them to use the calendar to look to see how much time they have. So it's not just me thinking, you know, I remember you can't work Sunday afternoon. I'm telling them, go to a place where you can check what the rest of the week's going to be like. So you can see, oh no, I can't work Sunday afternoon. I've got resilience in there talking about what are you going to do if you run into a problem? Because they're going to run into a problem and I want to know what what their plans are. I would hope that they would say, come and ask you, come and ask so-and-so, see my teacher, ask a friend. But I would want to see what they have as solutions for their problems um, as they go along. Sometimes children just say, I don't know. And really, you know that means that they would just despair <laughs> and be upset and not have nothing else. Nothing wrong with being upset, but they would have nothing else to do or go after that. Some children will hide. They just won't say anything about it or hide the project and you won't know anything about it until they get no grade or the teacher mentions something or you ask <laughs> a little while later, whatever happened to that project? Or you find it stuffed behind the bed or something like that. So 
We need to know how they're going to bounce back when they hit hurdles. Um, I talked a little bit about values when I said, um, how are you going to finish strong? So it gives them an idea of, well, how am I going to make sure it's done? And they might ask, what do you think would be a good idea? Or they might share what it is. And we get a chance to align our values and talk about my expectations for them and what they would like to do. And, you know, it's their work. They get to do it. But we, we can kind of talk about it and see where we both lie on that kind of continuum. So I'm sure you're thinking of many other questions that go along with that. When I met with, I don't know, or I don't know yet, and believe me, that will come. They will sometimes say they don't know, that's good. They've got questions now and they've got answers that they can think about. I've found that saying, I have an idea, can I share it with you? is a good way to offer them an option of input. Children often want to figure things out by themselves. And if we constantly just keep giving them the answers to things, eventually they won't even try. They just wait for you to tell them and they want you to tell them. It's very difficult to kind of backtrack once you that type of habit has been established. But if you can keep saying that, I have an idea I can share with you, as a good way of, of giving them the option to choose. Because none of us like it when we hear spoilers or someone explains a trick beforehand, if we're guessing. Let them try, and they know that you have an idea if they need it. Struggle is good, and they amaze themselves all the time, and they amaze us at overcoming all sorts of things. And if they struggle and it's not working, then this is a good opportunity to share what to do when things aren't working, like ask other people, take a break, call a friend, go for a walk, start doing some other work. Project work is here to stay. So today I've talked about getting to know our children's personalities and realizing how they might approach a project along with the ups and downs might not be the same as us as an important first step. It's often why we butt heads as families when we would have done it very differently and they would have done it in another way. They thrive on that pressure of a deadline, for example, and we may love controlling that deadline and want a longer time or vice versa. Both can work, but we need to know where we are and where our children are, what their personalities do. And as you can tell in my family, I have two very different ways of dealing with that. We also talked about questions and how they help us advocate for our children and shine a light in the areas that they don't see. And we show them, look, look at these areas. And so now they can look for those areas for themselves. It's easier to tell them you only have two days to do this, not seven like it says on the page, because you've done all the mental calculations in your head. But when you go through the calendar and show them and ask questions, they will see for themselves and learn the value of extenuating circumstances and how you can't, they, they can't control everything in their environment. So next time they are project working, they'll think about, I need to look at the calendar because it says seven days here, but I need to check if we're going anywhere or doing anything for themselves. We need to teach our children how to thrive throughout the whole process and not just live for the ending. 
Well, I hope something I've said has triggered you to investigate something more and helps you to make a decision for your wonderful family, especially when it comes to project work. So now it's your turn. I'd love to hear about what happens in your family when you are talking about project work. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter and Instagram to talk about this episode or share your ideas in the Facebook group that we have called the Society of Nimble Parents. Thanks for being here today. I know there are many things that you could be doing right now and I'm glad you've chosen to be here today. Don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's one of the best ways as it helps new people to find the show. Show notes for today and links is at growingnimblefamilies.com forward slash 201. That's episode 201. Sign up for my growing library of parenting resources and principles that are there at my site. See you again next time. Goodbye.